everyone. Welcome to the Intentional Parenting Podcast. Intentional Parenting is an initiative created by the church at Rocky Peak to provide parents with resources and opportunities for community with other parents to better equip and unleash you to help your kids become passionate Christ followers. For more information, please check out our website at rockypeak.org forward slash parenting. Hey, what's up, parents, and welcome back to the Intentional Parenting Podcast. My name is Dre, and we're going to be continuing our focus on what it means to be exhausted parents that are finding a deep rest in the presence of Jesus. And so if you're new to the podcast, back in part one of this miniseries, we set a foundation that parenting is exhausting. And I hope I'm hearing multiple amens out there as I say that. Parenting is exhausting at every level, physically, emotionally mentally, and spiritually. But we also unpacked in part one that Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. And maybe not necessarily the physical rest or the napping we all desire, but something much deeper at the level of our souls. And so again, if you're new, I would encourage you check out part one. And then today we're going to go ahead and continue our conversations with real parents who are tired like all of us out there, but are also experiencing that promise of Jesus in their lives. So today on the podcast, I get to welcome for the first time my friend Kellyanne Williams. Kellyanne, welcome. Welcome. Woo-hoo indeed, Kellyanne. So Kellyanne, you are a parent and I'm assuming you are tired. Yes, I am one of those amens you were (laughs) asking for. I mean, so Kellyanne, uh, let everybody know how many kids and the ages of your kids. All right. So I've got quite a bundle. I have a 15-year-old uh, son who is deep into high school life. So is that sophomore or junior? He's a, currently a sophomore. Got it. Depending on when you listen to this. <laughs> if it's six months from now, that might change. Um, and then I have a 13-year-old who is in eighth grade. So we've got a middle schooler. Gotcha. And then I also have um, a five-year-old in kindergarten and a three-year-old at home. So you've got quite an age range. Yes. The bookends, if you Elementary will. school, middle school, high school. Every stage of school life in the Williams home. Wow. Everybody just stop what you're doing and pray for Kellyanne and her husband. (laughs) But you're definitely not alone in that situation. There's families we know that are listening to that are in a similar state. And so one of the questions we've been asking in these conversations is, what do you specifically find tiring? And in that, Kellyanne, what do you find finding tiring as you juggle such a disparity in age ranges? Yeah, I mean... I think there's different segments to what I find tiring. Um, I love them from the depths of my soul, but my teenagers are emotionally exhausting. Um, Even in the greatest of ways, I think we've talked recently, Dre, about how cool it is to see my, my teenage son like really love the word, right? And as a parent, you get so excited about that. Except for that when he wants to come in at 11 o'clock at night and talk to me about the word. And I have to put on my parent hat and not want to go to sleep because they, they're finally, they're talking to me about Jesus. They want to be available, but I'm so tired. Um, and so I think that's just, it's hard to be emotionally available at any given moment for when they're ready. Wow. Because um, you never know. It could be over breakfast. It could be in the car ride. It could be before they're trying to go to bed that they're ready to engage in those conversations. And so just being emotionally available 24-7 is exhausting. How would you put words? 
to that phrase, emotional availability, when it comes to a 15-year-old, 16-year-old, and a kindergartner? Because that's different levels of being emotionally ready. Yes, I think, you know, when you have a kindergartner, being emotionally available has a lot more to do with, for my five-year-old, it's more about creating safety for him, a safe space to come to where he can have all of his emotions, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and, you know, being a safe space for him. Um, for my teenager, it's more about creating a safe space to answer questions um, or allow him more like the opportunity to ask questions. And what's hard with that is that, you know, if my five-year-old comes to me because he's hurt or he's sad or he just, you know, needs someone to engage with, it's it's a different kind of physical energy required, especially for my five-year-old um, who would love to tackle anything in his way. <laughs> um, and for the teenager, it's just more of a, a mental type of thing where we he has the questions and I have to be ready to answer not only in a way that a teenager will understand but in a way that makes it still open for him to continue to ask questions you know I think he might ask a question that seems super obvious to me as an adult but it's not super obvious to him yet and so being able to kind of go round for round of the well why they're different they're different kinds of why like my five-year-old wants to know why trees exist <laughs> You know, and my 15-year-old wants to know, like, why does the Lord say this? What does, why would God allow evil into the world? That's really fascinating. You are facing the same question in the why, mm -hmm. but at different costs or gravity, so to speak. Yes. You know, it's, it's, it's beautiful to see a five-year-old be like, what was God thinking when he made a platypus? <laughs> I don't know. I'm he still says, wondering that now at 41. Seems really creative, you know, but the same thing of like, well, what does God mean when he says to love your neighbor as yourself? And I'm like, yeah, that's really hard to unpack. And you're probably having that range of conversations daily. daily. Wow. Yes. Wow. That is a different level of exhaustion. Now, I'm just curious. Go for it. Because most parents, they would say one of the most exhausting things is the getting out the door routine. So on a day of going to school, you've got a kindergartner and a sophomore in high school. Mm -hmm. What is that like? Chaos. <laughs> it's just utter chaos. Um, and it's also what's really interesting about our morning times is we are in the process of recreating our morning rhythms. Um, we've got a couple things going on. We have my children who are up at 6 a.m. without fail. Doesn't matter what time I put them to bed. Doesn't matter if we stay at a plate for the Super Bowl or uncle's wedding. We're up at 6 a.m. in the morning, sometimes earlier, especially now that my five-year-old can tell time. And he'll come in and be like, it's 5.45. Can I just go downstairs? And I was like, I don't care. <laughs> Are you safe? Fine. Um, you know, but also just realizing as a family unit, our morning times are actually the one of the only times we're all together. Mm. Um, between my high schoolers sports practices and going to his own life group and then my life group and my husband's life group and my husband at this current moment works evenings. And so we have realized that our collision time as a family is the morning. And so we're in the process right now of kind of reworking that. Um, I've had to kind of set aside what my mornings used to look like. I used to have my own coffee in a quiet home and I would do my, my God time. 
You know, we've always, we've always heard for so much of my life to, to start your day with the Lord. And so what that used to look like was an hour of Bible study and worship and just stillness. That doesn't exist in a house full of boys. Um, <laughs> and I love them. I mean, some, maybe some houses with boys have stillness. My house has wrestling yeah, and lightsaber fights and shirtless football tackling. At 5.30 in the morning. At 5.30 in the morning. Um, and so we've really kind of had to re-engage with what that looks like. Um, I think full transparency is that I also parented through COVID. And so TV became a like a assistant teacher to my life. Yeah. And we had to rebuild that relationship. Like, what does our relationship with technology look like in the morning? Um, because it's really easy to just throw on a show, let the kids watch that while I have my time. And that wasn't beneficial to them or to me. Um, and so we've kind of, I don't know, there's been a lot of reworking our morning time. Um, my teenager is responsible because he has an alarm clock. And so he is is wonderful. He will use that. And I realize I'm saying this to parents and some of them are going to be mad about that, but his alarm wakes him up in the morning and then he takes care of himself. So I'm genuinely surprised that the alarm works. Listen, it does because all you need is one tardy and a parent responds to that tardiness. <laughs> Before change happens. So he's got the fear. Well done, Kellyanne. Yes. He's got the fear. Um, and so I'm grateful for that. Like I, I say that as some someone who has a teenager now who's gotten that, that was not always the case. That's where we're at now. Um, I also say that for the parents, the time will come where your children will wake up and they won't need you. Um, but I have both going on. I've one someone who doesn't need me and some who do. Yeah. And so a lot of our morning right now consists of letting my two younger boys play while I still get a little bit of Bible time. I wouldn't say that it's my rich, deep Bible study. It's not usually my prayer time, um, just because I cannot close my eyes and focus on prayer. I have to make sure that we're not climbing bookshelves. Um, but I've also loved that because it shows and models for them like what's important to me. So I haven't taken the Bible out of my morning as much as I've changed my approach to it. Um, and then they kind of do it. Miles likes to pretend to read the Bible in the morning, He's in kindergarten, so we're still giving him some grace on his reading skills. Um, but he wants to be in it, you know, or they will do activities at the table while I have a little bit of Bible time. And it's short. You know, it's like I said, it's not the deep, rich time that it's been before, but it's it's a rhythm that we've created that we start our day with that. Are you going through a study? Are you listening to something? Does it vary? It varies. I think um, right now I'm just doing a little bit of a devotional. Um and just use that time to be like, okay, what does the devotional say? So I read that and then I read it in the word and then I listen to it. Um, Cause I'm trying to find different mediums of ingesting God's word. Um, and that usually takes like five to 10 minutes. So again, I got a three-year-old and a five-year-old. So their attention spans are short. Um, and so I usually do that. And then breakfast of some kinds, uh, usually getting the kids involved in breakfast. Um, I have my, like I said, my teenager who gets himself up and gets ready for the day, uh, makes his own breakfast. So amen for that. Amen. Um, but he's also, he, like his father, is very big about his community and making sure that people are included. And so he actually has a high school friend who doesn't have a ride to school, but whose father leaves really early. So at 7.30 on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, we have other teenagers joining our home. Um, it's a party. So that they can walk to school together or be driven to school together. Because no one wants to get dropped off at high school at 7.30 in the morning. No one. That's fair. No one wants to be up at 7.30 in the morning, let alone hanging out at school. Um, so then we get to do that. And there's days where it's totally smooth and it's great and everyone has a great attitude. And then there's just 
put your shoes on. No, the other foot. No, you can't wear sandals. It's raining. Or to teenager, why are you wearing a hoodie? It's a hundred degrees out. Or why are you wearing shorts? It's pouring rain. Um, there's so there's chaos all around and little rhythms like sprinkled in. Um, but it's our time together as a family. And so we really are re-looking at what that looks like for us and how do we create, you know, the the common dinner together isn't as achievable for us. So we are trying to figure out what breakfast together looks like. That's really intentional. If I can just encourage you with that, that's really intentional to take a look at your family's unique rhythms Mm -hmm. because everybody listening here, we're not supposed to be carbon copies of each other. Being an intentional parent doesn't mean looking exactly like each other. It means looking at your unique family for your unique needs and for your unique season. Because what is normal for you in this season may be very different in the next year. And I want to come back to something. I want to ask you a little bit more that you've used this key word of chaos, which I think most parents can relate to in some way, shape, or form. But the fact that you're choosing to still be in the word in the midst of chaos, why is being in the word in the morning, even though it's not your, let's say, richest time, why is that so important to you as a mom? I think the first time that I realized how important that was, um, was when my children started copying me. Kids are little parrots, so they will repeat and redo everything that we <laughs> say and do. And we know that for the good and the bad, right? When you say something maybe inappropriate and your child repeats that to someone else, it's it's a little bit embarrassing as a parent uh, to realize that you have a, par- a parrot in your house. Um, <laughs> but the sweet moment of that was when um, I would take my, like I said, I would take my coffee, I would sit down, and I would read the Bible and then I watched Miles grab his orange juice and a book and sit down. And it was the first time I think I realized like, oh, he's watching me. Mm. And so I don't want to say like, oh, I just read the Bible so my kids do it. But I kind of also read the Bible so my kids do it. No, I think that's powerful. You know, Kellyanne and I share a background from having done student ministries for many years. And What you just shared is something I remember hearing in stories of junior high students over the years of the significant impact that watching their parents do it, not in terms of uh, spying on parents, but they would often talk about, I would come out of my room and my mom would be at the table with her Bible open, or my dad would be talking to my mom about what they learned at church. There's a power in what you're saying of not just hearing my parents tell me to spend time with the Lord, but seeing that it matters to them. And again, you're still getting something out of it. The word is looking and active, but knowing that you're modeling with being a disciple, that's really encouraging. Well, yeah, and I and I will say, like, there's been times where sometimes those devotionals are my phone or reading them on my phone. Um, I just realized, like, personally, my kids weren't being able to differentiate between when I was on my phone for the Bible and when I was on my phone to scroll on social media. Yeah. And so I went old school and, you know, took out a hard copy Bible and a real it's book. classic now, Kellyanne. You classic. went the classic route. Classic, vintage. Um, just to show them, like, this is important. Mm-hmm. Even if it's just something as simple, you know, as a verse that I'm meditating on or a question of the devotional asks, it it is showing and modeling for my kids the value of how to start your day. Hmm. Um, and sometimes they're quick and sometimes I don't get through it all. Yeah. And sometimes my child has made its way into the kitchen without me noticing or has taken out toys that are definitely for supervision only. <laughs> and I have to stop and change. But 
I just like that they're being able to see that as an important piece of my day. Um, and then there's also times where like my, my three-year-old will, will climb up in my lap and want to see it too. And he doesn't know what's going on, but then I can read it with him. And I just, it was, it was a hard decision because I think personally, um, you know, I entered into my marriage with beautiful stepkids, um, but that comes with its own challenges and times with them and times without. Um, but we, as a church, we went through rooted together while I was pregnant. And so we, everyone here went through this new thing of like, Hey, developing these rhythms and relationships with Christ was so good. Mm. And then I had a baby <laughs> and that went out the window yeah. because my schedule yeah. and my newborn schedule were not lining up the way that the control freak in me wished it would have. Um, but I think like I had to just let go of this idea of what spending time with God looked like and just realizing I wasn't going to be able to always have solitude in that. You know, but then you do the flip side of if I'm always going to my room to spend time with God, when are my kids ever going to see me doing it? Yeah. There's nowhere to hide when you have kids. No, even when you try, I tried doing the quintessential corny Christian-esque thing. And if that is you and I just offended you, I will officially apologize of like creating space in your closet to pray. Yeah. I tried that. And then my kids found my closet. <laughs> kids. Well, I heard it put once before. They feel as if even when we're in the bath in the bathroom, that's a team sport. Yeah. They're the younger ones. But sorry, I'm laughing because I've had to say that phrase. Like, mommy knows how to do this all on her own. <laughs> I really, I really do. Thanks for caring. Yeah. Thanks for caring. But I think one thing you hit on that's so important for everybody listening is the idea that it's not going to look like our ideal. Mm -hmm. But I don't think there's any less power to it. Yes. Because in one sense, to kind of use the joke, it is now a team sport. You spending your time with the Lord is including your kids, you know, for better or for worse in a sense, but it's leaving an impact with them and it's normalizing. This is what my mom does. This matters to my mom mm -hmm. in the midst of it. And I honestly believe, like having known you as long as I have and having known your family, that I don't think your teenage son would feel as comfortable to ask you those Bible questions if he didn't know this was real in your life. Mm -hmm. If he didn't know that this was genuine, that you're learning, you're growing, that created safety for him to be able to do that, as well as your other kids one day. And so, you know, Kellyanne, if we wrap up this conversation, what could you say just as an encouragement to the parents that are listening? I think, I mean, I feel like it's something you have been saying without having listened to your podcasts, but just to accept the fact that parenting is exhausting. Yeah. I think, you know, the biggest source of frustration is unmet expectations. And when our expectation is that family life or parenting is going to be smooth sailing, you're just always going to live being upset. And you're always going to live being frustrated. And I remember that was a season of my life, having to let go of what I thought spending time with God looked like. Now, granted, those rhythms come and they go. And now I have great pre-bedtime rhythms that I didn't have before. Um, but I also just remembering learning and looking at the way in which God met women. Looking at the Bible and seeing that he met women where they were at. He met the woman at the well because that's where she needed to go to get water and to realize that God is going to meet you at your well. Like he will meet you while you're doing dishes. He will meet you while you're vacuuming. He will talk with you while you are folding laundry. He doesn't have to be put in a box and carved out onto my calendar 
like he will meet me throughout the day. And so I think those two things came in tandem when I finally accepted that my life was not going to eventually get smoother. There was not going to come a period or a season of life where I was going to all of a sudden have hours of time. Now, maybe that can, that'll happen. But I feel like by the time that my kids are out of the house, the last set will be out and the next set will be having grandkids. So that's not going to happen in my life. Another so, change. Yes. It's, that is one thing you can count on. I said, no, it sounds corny, but life will continue to change. And so will your rhythms and relationship with Jesus. And when you learn to roll with that and accept it and to look at, okay, God, where are you meeting me where I'm at? Then I feel like you get that richness, you get that depth. And then it's great to be like, wow, God really spoke to me while I was washing the dishes today. Mm. Like, how great is that? That he's not afraid to like show up while you're folding laundry. Abiding. Yeah. He's with us in everything we do. Kellyanne, thank you so much for your encouragement. Thank you so much for just sharing a bit of your life. And one last thing before we go ahead and close, Kellyanne is a dear friend of mine. She's a fellow parent, but Kellyanne is also our kids director here at Rocky Peak. She leads RPK the, is the best. She leads the team at RPK Rocky Peak Kids. And for anybody that is not yet a part of RPK, tell them how they can come and check this out. Yeah, RPK. There's a lot of ways to find out about us. The typical, you know, social media ways. We're on the internet. You can check us out at rockypeaks.org um, and go to the kids ministry page. But mostly we would love to just have you join us on a weekend. Um, if you want to come on a Saturday night, we have right now, currently we have stuff for first through fifth graders. And then on Sundays at both nine and 11, we have everything from birth all the way up through fifth grade. And these are just opportunities for your kids to come and engage with their peers, to hear from the word, to engage in small groups, even at three years old. Um, and to really gain a greater understanding of who God is and who they are in light of that. So we would love for you to come check us out. That's awesome. We hope to see many of you here on campus. Don't forget if this podcast is encouraging to you, if there's another parent in your life you feel like this could encourage you, go ahead and share this with them. It helps us just get the word out so that we can just support as many parents out there as we possibly can. Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss any of the content, and we will see you next time.